You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You know, it's very interesting. I'm really excited about this series, Let Us Pray, and it's very interesting. I was chatting with Pastor Becky. I, I do want to take time to honor our, our pastors, Jurgen and Leanne, and also John and Becky. We're incredible. We are so lucky to be under their leadership. And I was just chatting with her. I was like, I knew that God was going to ask me to preach in this uh, series. And he began to put some things on my heart. And it's not the most, uh, it's kind of a difficult subject to preach about. But I, I want to bring what I feel God has asked me to bring tonight. And when I was preparing for it, I was like, gosh, there's a lot of kale. There's just all kinds of kale in this message. Like, I want to be fun. I want people to like me. But you know what? If you spend any time with God, he's got a, he's got a good sense of humor. Because I, I totally felt him say, Dana, sometimes we got to bring a little kale to get the hail out of people's lives. So just bear with me. I'm going to bring some kale, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to get some breakthrough. Because we have to preach kingdom. You know, we're living in a time of war. And you know, there can't be any peace without war. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 34, he says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. In another version, it actually says, when I come, meaning when my kingdom comes, it's going to cause conflict and it's going to cause division. It will. You know, whenever you bring kingdom, shift happens. And so we are living in those times of conflict and division. And sadly, it's seeped into some of the pulpits of today. You know, one of the things I love about our pastors is that they've never compromised in the 16-year history of Awakened Church, the prayer meeting, and teaching people how to pray. And I believe that's why God has given us a place of influence. I believe that's why he's given us a voice. Because if the church doesn't make history, it will repeat it. And I wonder if there's been this slow desensitization in the body of Christ, where little by little, the gospel of truth has been so watered down and so compromised and veils have been placed over the eyes of people who used to be some of the most influential leaders and some of the greatest shepherds who will now gain the whole world at the loss of their own souls. And the soul of their flock is because they've actually allowed the enemy to first steal their voice at the point of prayer. And we wonder why now the sheep with no leader have scattered, why they're starving but have no place to eat. So now they're just feeding themselves with anxiety, fear, depression, and apathy. And now this, the world's in chaos and it's looking for the church to be the solution to its problems. But many of God's houses are without shepherds and his watchmen have abandoned their post. Well, not on our watch, church. When we come to awaken, you're gonna find 
good shepherds producing good shepherds. We're not gonna be the church that starves its sheep, letting them live in deceit while we feed our own game. We are a church where we teach people to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When people learn not to permit things on earth that don't exist in heaven, they don't react in fear in all of its associates. They don't allow their voices to be muffled in timidity. They learn how to pray and they let the voice of faith rise and become the loudest and most compelling voice. See, let me tell you something. They may try to censor prayer on your social media platform, but there is not a fact checker from the pit of hell that is ever going to censor your secret place. But you know what? We just can't teach it. We just can't learn it. We actually have to empower people to activate that faith. Because what would it do for us to have a platform and a voice in our city if our own people don't know how to get breakthrough. It doesn't go well in the city until it goes well with you. When I came to this house 11 years ago, my pain was the center of my life, and I kept myself busy enough to repress it, and I was bound by a spirit of fear and control, and it kept me from fully enjoying life with God and it kept me in delay, but I learned how to pray and I developed a language of faith. I put those prayers into action. I've now built consistent and persistent faith that have now broken the bonds of some of those stubborn problems that I no longer have to deal with. So tonight I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Tonight, in the short amount of time that we have, I want to speak to you about prayers that break delay. And I want us to take a look in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. And I've always wanted to preach about this woman. She's one of my favorite women in the Bible. It's a woman by the name of Hannah. This woman knew how to pray to break delay. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but I actually encourage you to read this in your own time because I think it's important to kind of summarize what's happening because it will resonate with the times that we're living in today. You know, coincidentally, this time in the history of Israel was a time of transition from judges to kings. It was a transition of political leadership. This erratic political leadership of the judges had left Israel in a state of crisis. There were external threats. There were internal collapses, and it created a system where people began to do what was right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar? The political, moral, and religious leadership was so corrupt that it didn't even look like Israel would survive this generation. The prophetic prophetic voice and the word of God did not even exist. The office of the prophet had not even been ordained yet. But God does something in the middle of this to correct the course. But the course itself actually didn't look like it came from God. So if we pick up in in this Samuel chapter one, the Bible speaks of a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives. One was Peninnah, 
and she was the wife that Elkanah loved less, but she could bear children. And then there was Hannah, who Elkanah loved more, but the Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb. And when I read that, it really bothered me because barrenness is not from God. I wanna tell someone that tonight. Barrenness is not from God. In fact, this is the world in the sphere that I work in. I teach women all the time about fertility. In fact, God designed a woman's body for pregnancy every single month. A woman's body. A woman's body. Let, do not believe that people who say that men can get pregnant can actually teach us about God's design. Only God can do that. So I asked God, about that. And he says, you know, Dana, it doesn't say I made her barren. It says I closed her womb. But I came here to tell some people tonight that what God showed me is that there are some people who've crossed the threshold of breakthrough many times, but it just seems like there's been a miscarriage of, your, of the desires of your heart. But what I also heard him say is that he doesn't operate in time. So there are some doors that God can close for a season, but God can also open them back up. So don't confuse God's process or his preparation with barrenness because this may have been how the story started, but it's not where it ends up. See, what I think is particularly interesting about Hannah in her time was that a woman's worth was measured by her ability to produce children. Like her whole identity was wrapped up in, in this inability to conceive. But Hannah was a woman of faith because Hannah was a woman of prayer. See, daily, this woman was provoked by the other wife, you know, fertile Myrtle Panina. Every day, she was accused by Eli the priest who called her drunk because she was praying so passionately and so fervently. Every day, she had to look injustice and pain in the face, but she showed up to the temple to pray because God had given her his word for a son of promise. So Hannah took that promise and she brought her outside circumstances inside her secret place. And as she prayed, she began to join herself and she began to become intimate with God. So even though the culture of the world surrounded her, she had the culture of the kingdom within her. See, Hannah made this a priority. The Bible says year after year, it was years that this took place. Every day without fail, she showed up at her secret place. Even on the days where she was distressed, even on the days where she was disheartened because she didn't allow her connection with God to just be based on her terms. In other words, she didn't lower God's words and God's promises down to the level of her experience. She brought her experience up to the level of God's word. There were days where she had deep sorrow but Hannah didn't allow moments of weakness to turn into a lifestyle of self-pity. She didn't go grab all of her Me Too friends 
The ones that amen the problem but never call you to come up higher and leave you stuck. She didn't call them. She didn't post up on her couch, binge eating and watching Netflix. She turned her pain into prayers. The Bible says she went without food. She fasted food. I'm gonna come back to that. And she used this time to pour herself out to God. See, I think that Hannah's pain and her perseverance for that promise gave her a hunger. See, sometimes like Hannah, we might have to give up our bread to get a word from God. My sister Pam's favorite verse, because that's who I call when I have pain. She'll teach me how to pray. Matthew 4, 4 says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, I don't think that God wants us to give up bread as much as he wants us to give up distraction. See, Hannah didn't have Snapchat, okay? Hannah didn't have technology fighting for her attention. With Hannah, there was no temptation to show up to post on her social media platform before she showed up to post in her secret place. I bet if you asked Hannah what God's, what God's love language was, she probably would have said quality time. And I 200% agree with that. And God is a jealous God, but he's not going to beg for our attention. Perhaps prayers that break delay are not so much about us waiting for God to move us as it is praying in such a way that our prayers move him. So I want to come back to the power of fasting. I feel like we don't talk about this too much in church, but it happens to be a huge thing in in the fitness world, you know. It's a huge thing for me, I will admit Um, I have to work smarter and not harder at 39, you know? What worked in the 30s does not work in the 40s. So sometimes I will go on 16-hour fast just to be more creative. I'm guilty of that. But when we bring it up in the Christian environment, it's like, it seems like it's something that there's a lot of resistance. It's, It's very intimidating, and it seems to kind of shut people down, but prayer should never overwhelm you. Prayer should always empower you. And when people don't know, they tend to get kind of outward focused and super religious and super spiro about everything. And then it becomes, you know, works-based. And then it becomes something that's in the public space when it's actually meant to be intimacy that you're building with God and, and you're led by the Holy Spirit in your private place. And when people don't have a revelation of what it is, it loses its power. So Jesus is brilliant in Mark chapter nine when he reveals the power of fasting. It's so brilliant. I'm probably gonna have a Morgan Irvin kind of moment, but just come with me. (laughs) He always says, we're gonna go on a journey. Let's go. But I want you to grab a hold of this tonight because when you understand what it is and what it's for, it becomes a very powerful tool for effective prayer. So in Mark chapter nine, this is also in Matthew, but I'm, I'm looking at the Mark version. Jesus encounters this man who approaches him and he's very angry that his disciples could not heal his son who had a mute spirit. 
this kid had a mute spirit since birth. Most likely, this was a generational curse. And the Bible says when that spirit seized him, he didn't have a disease, it was a spirit, it would throw him down to the ground, he would gnash his teeth, and he would foam at the mouth. In case you need a clarification, that is a demonic manifestation. This boy had a stubborn problem. This boy had a problem that was resistant to change. But Jesus shows here that this mute spirit that sees this boy actually wasn't the problem. And I love the Passion Translation of this whole passage because Jesus approaches the scene and he says, and I don't know if we can get that on the screen so you can see it, but he says, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. They bring the boy to Jesus, and as soon as this demon sees Jesus, it starts manifesting. And the boy's father asks, and this is also brilliant, Jesus, if you could put that up. He says, if you are able, do something. And the Passion Translation is awesome because Jesus is like, what do you mean if? You better recognize, who are you talking to? I am the son of God. Do you even know who you're with? He says, no, if you are able to believe, if you are able to get rid of your unbelief, all things, that means all things, all stubborn problems, all problems that are resistant to change, all things are possible for you. And the boy's father cried out. He said, I do believe. Help my little faith. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus Help this man recognize and become aware of the problem. See, this boy couldn't speak for himself his whole life. The problem was his father's own unbelief. Immediately, when the father becomes aware and he confesses this, Jesus rebukes this demon, saying, Deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him. And then the demon leaves the boy. The boy drops. He's asleep. He's dead. We don't know. But Jesus picks him up takes him by the hand, and this boy was completely set free from a problem that was plaguing him since birth. And then when Jesus, when his disciples come up to him, they're like, what, what's up with this? Like, you're supposed to be our teacher. Like, why couldn't we do this? Jesus says, this type, this type that fuels stubborn problems, this type that fuels problems resistant to change, this problem rooted in unbelief. This can only be cast out through fasting and prayer. See, Jesus knew this because Jesus spent 40 days fasting before he started his ministry. And I believe that Jesus used this particular example to reveal that just like there is a physical relationship between the boy with the deaf and the mute spirit, with the father who had unbelief, there's a spiritual relationship between the inability to hear the voice of God and speak his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and a spirit of unbelief. 
The breakthrough for this boy's instant healing was through the breaking of his father's unbelief. Some of the most stubborn problems we're dealing with today are rooted in unbelief. See, I never knew what I didn't have faith for until I fasted. I never knew how much unbelief was hidden in my flesh until I fasted. I never knew what I didn't know. But just like Hannah, I had to get myself in a place where I could hear the voice of God, where I could receive the word of God, where I could declare the word of God until things began to change. You can't build intimacy with God and stay in unbelief. See, I know what it's like to spend the greater part of 37 years single and come to church week after week after week wanting to be married and getting discouraged and then having the temptation to compromise. But then I would keep praying and I would get myself in a place where I could hear the voice of God tell me to not settle for cheap because I was expensive. All right, mom. All right. And I would just declare this word and declare this word until the circumstance changed in year 38. And you know what? Now it seems like God redeemed all that time and that no time was lost. And I know that everything that I'm facing now was all preparation. That period was preparation. And Joel comes up at the right time. I know that Joel is the only man that God chose to help me fulfill my destiny. It's worth the wait. It's worth the process. It's worth the preparation. I'm talking to some people tonight. I know what it's like when there are loved ones that are astray and even estranged, but you carry this promise that God is gonna bring them back home and he's gonna restore them. God gave me a word for my mother. God gave me a word for my father that he was going to restore them. And there were prayers that I had to pray even when they were facing death. But after all these years, just last week, on my 39th birthday, after I hadn't heard from my parents in years, after a season, a temporary season of being estranged, my mom called me. And she said, Dana, I just want to ask you to forgive me. I'm so sorry for all the horrible things I've done to you, all the things that I've said to you. I'm so sorry. But can I just ask you if we could just not look in the past, if we could just move forward? Many people that know me know that's a, that's a really big deal. In a moment, things were restored. A moment. I know what it's like to give up everything for God to put me on assignment to rescue lives of preborn children. Yet I live in a city that just declared itself a haven for abortion. But when I pray, I press into the word that this will be a pro life generation. And I believe that what happened in Texas 
will happen in California. And I believe in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I believe that every idol of Moloch and Baal that seeks to slaughter children will come down in Jesus' name. Sometimes you have to pray until you believe. Maybe it doesn't start with fasting, but maybe it starts with removing the things that distract you, moving the things that grab your attention so that you can develop intimacy with God. See, I told you that it might have been the way the story started, but it's not how it ends up. See, later on in Samuel, it says the day comes where Elkanah knew his wife, you know, his little bountiful wow. And it says the Lord remembered Hannah's prayer after all those years. In Samuel 1.20, it says, it came about in due time. After Hannah had conceived, gave birth to her son, she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. And then later, she gets to stand in front of Eli the priest, the one who made fun of her. She was like, yeah, who's drunk now, Eli? <laughs> my prayer got answered. And she said, oh, my Lord, as surely as your soul lives, I'm the woman who stood beside you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he's dedicated to the Lord but that's not how it ends. Later, we actually find that God didn't just open up Hannah's womb once. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Later, she even says, even the barren give birth to seven. And this was a metaphor because the number seven is completion. God had completed his promise. God always finishes what he starts. Those years she prayed in faith were preparing the next generation for a Samuel. He anointed the first kings. He delivered the word of the Lord in a day that it was rare. He was appointed and anointed as a prophet of the Lord. God used this situation to bring the prophetic voice into the next generation. And it says that Samuel's words were never unfulfilled. Hannah saved would have, could have potentially been an extinct generation in her prayer closet. We're not going to give up on this generation, and we're not going to give up on the next. That's got to be our mission. So we can kind of just all stand. I want there to be a lot of ministry time, so we could all just close our eyes. I always want to give an invitation to someone or people here who may not even know Jesus. You want to have faith, you want to have belief, but you don't even know who to cling that faith to. Is there anyone here tonight that has not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior?
That's the main thing. You can just slowly slip your hand up where I can see it. Anyone here tonight? I can't really see up the back. I can see one hand back there. Praise God. Thank you. Anyone else? Maybe you've been far away from God. You've lost connection with God. You were once with God, but now you're far away. Is there anyone here? God showed me there's a few people here. So I can just labor for a minute. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. I see that hand. Beautiful. Can we just clap for those who had faith? And... So after service, we actually have a response lounge over here where you can go get a Bible and go get a book called Following Jesus. We want to partner with you um, on this journey. Um, and for other people, I just... I want to pray, and I want you to activate some faith tonight. It takes faith to say, I, I'm one of those ones that feels like I'm in delay. I'm one of those ones that feels like I've just been crossing the thre threshold of breakthrough, but I seem to keep miscarrying, miscarrying the desires of my heart. Are there any tonight where we've all got our eyes closed, no one can see? I just want you to slip up your hand. Hands all over the place. Yeah, I thought it was the majority of us. Beautiful. Beautiful. Maybe there's some other people here that, that are like this man with Jesus that said, I do believe, but help my little faith. Is there an area that you just need some belief in? You need to believe again. Who are those people? I think we've covered it all. Good. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to declare some things over you, and then I'm going to have the ministry team come up. And I wouldn't, this is a night, this is why we do these nights, get ministry, break this delay tonight, break this cycle, come forth, believe again. Um, so if everyone would just turn their palms towards heaven. In Jesus' name, I cancel and terminate every thought, image, or picture of failure concerning impossible situations. In the name of Jesus, I loose the grip of every spirit of doubt and unbelief in hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Let the angels of the living God roll away every stone of hindrance to the manifestation of breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. Every Pharaoh standing in the way of your people's breakthroughs tonight, I command you to move by fire in Jesus' name. We command every stubborn problem to come out with all of your roots in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we release turnaround breakthroughs. We release the spirit of faith. We release acceleration of miracles in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. If you believe that, shout amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.